0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Functional Nurse Practitioner Podcast. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner who believes in utilizing functional medicine strategies in order to provide a more comprehensive approach for optimal health. The current model of care in healthcare is very lacking, which led me down the road of functional medicine. Functional medicine is a systems biology approach, which looks at uncovering the root causes for the symptoms we are having in order to allow for healing versus simply applying a Band-Aid to the situation. I believe we need an integrative approach of both conventional and functional medicine in order to provide the best care possible. I feel so strongly about this that I had to leave my conventional medicine practice. While conventional medicine thrives with acute care issues, there is much to be desired with regards to chronic conditions. No longer could I practice in an institution where volume of patients rather than optimization of health was its driving force. I started my own practice, specializing in functional medicine, where I work with my clients to uncover their unique story, utilizing the functional medicine timeline and matrix, identifying the antecedents, triggers, and mediators driving the disease process, assists with getting to the root causes of the symptoms in order to allow for healing. This personalized approach leads to improved health outcomes. If you want to work with me and live in Indiana, head on over to my website at www.thefunctionalnursepractitioner.com and click the link to book your free introductory call. Just a quick disclaimer that this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose or be a substitute for medical advice from your practitioner. Also, if you like what you hear on this show, I would be real appreciative if you would leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening from and subscribe to the show. Okay. On to today's episode. Today, I wanna talk about a topic you need to know about, advanced glycation end products. What are they? Why do they matter? How can you reduce your exposure to them? We are gonna get into that today, my friends. This is episode seven of season two, number 59 overall. We've got friends listening from over 46 countries around the world, including Denmark, Australia, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Poland. Today's outline, segment one, explanation of advanced glycation end products and their significance in human health. Segment two, understanding ages, insights into how ages are formed in the body. Segment three, impact on the body, relationship between ages and aging, and chronic diseases such as diabetes, neurodegenerative disorders, and cardiovascular diseases, just to name a few. Segment four, lifestyle factors contributing to age formation. Segment five, role of diet in age accumulation. Segment six, diagnostic methods and monitoring age levels, biomarkers and testing techniques, and the importance of early detection and intervention. And segment seven, we will identify high age foods and also cooking methods that cause an uptick of ages. And finally, we're going to get into tips and tricks to reduce our exposure to ages. This is going to be a banger of an episode today, my friends. Are you ready? I'm ready. I am well prepared. Let's lean into ages. Advanced glycation end products, known as ages, are compounds formed in the body as a result of a chemical process known as glycation, which occurs spontaneously and continuously in a variety of tissues and cells. This non-enzymatic reaction involves the binding of sugars, particularly glucose or fructose, to proteins, fats, or nucleic acids. This reaction results in the formation of molecules called AGES. Ages represent an assortment of irreversible compounds formed through the non-enzymatic glycosylation and oxidation of proteins, nucleic acids, and lipids, a chemical process recognized as the Maillard reaction. Ages can also be formed by various cooking methods, which we will get into in a few. When these foods are consumed, the ages they contain can be absorbed into the body. Once formed, ages can accumulate, in various tissues and organs throughout the body, impacting their structure and function. They play a role in the stiffening and weakening of tissues, contributing to the aging process. Additionally, ages are implicated in the development and progression of various chronic diseases, which we will get more in depth in a bit. Understanding ages is crucial because their accumulation over time can lead to cellular damage and dysfunction, contributing to the onset and progression of various health issues. Managing age levels through dietary adjustments, lifestyle changes, and potential therapeutic interventions can play a significant role in mitigating their harmful effects and promoting overall health and well-being. The significance of advanced glycation end products in human health lies in their multifaceted impact on the body's physiological processes, and their association with various chronic diseases. By understanding and addressing the impact of ages, we can take proactive steps to promote better health and outcomes, potentially reduce the risk of developing age-related chronic conditions. The formation of ages involves three main stages, early stage, intermediate stage, and late stage Initially, sugars interact with the free amino group, forming a shift base, which then rearranges into more stable structure, called the amadori product. During the intermediate phase, this amadori product breaks down into various reactive dicarbonyl compounds. In the later stages of glycation, these processes lead to the formation of of ages, which are irreversible compounds. I know this sounds very complicated, and frankly, it is. I really want to zero in on this for a minute because understanding this process will paint a better picture, which may be necessary if we're talking about lifestyle change, friends, bear with me. In stage one, a sugar molecule like glucose reacts with amino groups present in proteins such as collagen and hemoglobin or fats like LDL cholesterol. This reaction results in the formation of unstable compounds. Then in stage two, these amadori products undergo rearrangements and further chemical modifications. They transform into more stable compounds known as advanced glycation intermediates, forming a diverse array of age structures. These reactions can occur spontaneously or be accelerated under conditions We will get into in a sec. In stage 3, these advanced glycation intermediates can cross-link with other proteins or lipids, creating irreversible and often complex structures known as advanced glycation end products. These ages are highly stable and accumulate in various tissues throughout the body, impacting cellular function and contributing to tissue damage and dysfunction. Rages, receptors for advanced glycation end products, are cell surface receptors that play a significant role in mediating the effects of advanced glycation end products in the body. Rages and ages. <laughs> Am I the only one who finds science so freaking cool? These receptors belong to the immunoglobulin superfamily and are found on various cell types, including endothelial cells, immune cells, And neurons. When ages bind to rages, they initiate signaling cascades within cells, leading to the activation of pro inflammatory pathways and oxidative stress. Rages activation is associated with various pathological conditions, which we will get into in a few. What are some factors contributing to increased? age formation in the body. You know I love lists. I have three key factors contributing to upticking age formation in the body. Number one, hyperglycemia. Elevated blood sugar levels commonly observed in conditions like prediabetes or diabetes lead to accelerated formation of ages due to increased availability of sugars for glycation reactions. Makes sense, doesn't it? Number 2. Oxidative stress. Reactive oxygen species, ROS, generated as byproducts of metabolic processes or due to external factors like pollution or smoking, can promote age formation by facilitating the glycation process and modifying proteins or lipids. We talk about oxidative stress quite a lot on this podcast. Why oh why do we keep talking about oxidative stress? It matters, my friends. Number three, inflammatory conditions. Inflammation can stimulate the production of ages, and conversely, ages can induce inflammation, creating a cycle that exacerbates tissue damage and chronic conditions. Ages formed in the body can accumulate over time due to slower turnover rates of certain tissues, leading to increased tissue damage and dysfunction. Understanding the mechanisms behind AGE formation provides insights into the importance of managing factors like blood sugar levels, oxidative stress, and inflammation to mitigate the accumulation of these detrimental compounds and their associated health implications. AGEs can accumulate in the body through various sources both endogenously, internally, and exogenously externally, contributing to increased levels within tissues and organs. We spoke about a couple of endogenous sources, high blood sugar levels and oxidative stress, but even normal metabolism is implicated. As part of the normal metabolic process, glycation occurs naturally in the body. The interaction between sugars, glucose, fructose, and proteins, lipids, or nucleic acids form ages continuously as a byproduct of metabolism. How about exogenous sources? Glad you asked. Let's do another list of three. (laughs) Number one, dietary intake. You knew we were going here, didn't you? Consumption of certain foods, especially those processed or cooked at high temperatures, contributes to the intake of exogenous ages. We're gonna get into the nuances of this in a few. Number two, tobacco smoke. Cigarette smoke contains compounds that can increase the formation and accumulation of ages in the body. Smoking is associated with elevated levels of ages and oxidative stress, contributing to various health issues. And number three, environmental exposure. Pollution and environmental toxins can also contribute to age accumulation. Exposure to pollutants in the air or contaminants in water can induce oxidative stress and inflammation, facilitating the formation of ages in the body. I wonder what that toxin exposure I suffered several weeks ago, yes, that truck, I am still talking about that truck. I am just now, the past couple of days, feeling like myself again. Do I think it induced oxidative stress? Inflammation leading to an uptick of ages absolutely. Both endogenous and exogenous sources of ages contribute to their accumulation within tissues and organs. The body's natural mechanisms for breaking down and eliminating ages can become overwhelmed when there is a continuous influx or excess production of these compounds. Consequently, the accumulation of ages contributes to tissue damage, cellular dysfunction, and the development of exacerbation of age-related chronic diseases. Managing sources of ages through dietary modifications, lifestyle changes, and reducing exposure to environmental factors can help mitigate their harmful effects on health. Now let's really get into the impact on the body. Let's get a little more granular The accumulation of advanced glycation end products in various organs and tissues can have profound effects on overall health, contributing to numerous physiological changes and potentially leading to the development or progression of various chronic decisions, decisions, diseases of various chronic diseases. I've got eight key impacts for you today, my friends. Number one, skin Ages play a role in skin aging. Who's with me on reducing skin aging? I will turn 50 next year. I care about this topic for sure. Ages contribute to the stiffening of collagen fibers, reducing skin elasticity, and promoting the formation of wrinkles. This effect is part of the natural aging process, but can be accelerated by factors like high sugar intake or prolonged exposure to sunlight. I spent most of my life consuming high sugar foods, highly processed foods. Shout out to episode five. What's the deal with sugar? Go back and listen if you missed it. Great conversation. I have not spent years in the sun. My mother was a tanner. She loved slathering on baby oil back in the day. I tried that once. Really bad idea. I was the color of a lobster. It hurt pretty bad. I vaguely remember my grandmother putting me in the bathtub, dousing me with noxema for relief. My mom was diagnosed with melanoma, a form of skin cancer. It ended up a stage 4 cancer, meaning it spread to distant tissue. I try to avoid sunburns at all costs these days. I love being outside, but I prefer to be outside and somewhat shielded. I do spend 10-15 to minutes most days walking without sunblock to help my synthesis. vitamin D, but I do not lay out in the sun. Number two, kidneys. Age accumulation in the kidneys can impair their function. Ages can damage the filtration system of the kidneys, leading to reduced kidney function and potentially contributing to the development of chronic kidney disease or CKD. My father ended up with kidney failure After years of battling various autoimmune conditions, the toll on his kidneys from so many medications caused significant damage. He was on dialysis for well over a year. It may have been longer. That was a very difficult time for our family. I was very close with my father. I wanted to give him one of my kidneys. He would not allow it, not even to see if we were a match. He said, you may need it one day. I remember crying and telling him I have two. I can make do with just one. (laughs) He loved me so much. The feeling was mutual. It's funny how life plays out sometimes. Not his illnesses or death, definitely not funny, but how I ended up in healthcare. I saw some of the worst examples of patient care with my father. I couldn't understand how a human being could be so cruel to another human being who was so ill anyway. I digress. Number three, eyes. In the eyes, ages can contribute to the development of diabetic retinopathy, a complication of diabetes that damages the blood vessels in the retina, potentially leading to vision impairment or blindness. Number four, blood vessels. Ages can cause stiffening of blood vessels by cross-linking with proteins like collagen and elastin. This arterial stiffening can increase blood pressure, and reduce vessel flexibility, contributing to cardiovascular issues such as hypertension and atherosclerosis. I have some pretty damning genes with regards to cardiovascular health, with this low-level vasculitis. What I was told, actually many years ago, but I stuck my head in the sand back then. My father had vasculitis. I could not face it at that point in time. Vasculitis is an autoimmune condition where the body's immune system mistakenly attacks its own blood vessels. This condition impacts arteries, veins, and capillaries. Arteries transport blood from the heart to the body's organs. Veins return blood to the heart, and capillaries are small vessels linking arteries and veins. Inflamed blood vessels may narrow, impeding blood flow, completely block the passage of blood, or become... Weakened and stretched, leading to bulges. When I thought I had thyroid cancer and started doing further digging, I found Hashimoto's, autoimmune thyroiditis. I jumped in a deep rabbit hole and did further testing and uncovered antibodies to other body tissue. ANCA was elevated. Anti-neutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies, ANCA. This test helps diagnose autoimmune vasculitis. Because inflammatory markers were not elevated, the specialists I consulted with were not impressed. They told me as soon as inflammation gets out of hand, I'll be put on immunosuppression, like my father. I had already jumped into the deep end, applied and was accepted to the Institute of Functional Medicine, and the rest is history, as they say. I didn't know I had an alternative route. Conventional medicine told me I have shit genetics. Okay, they said it was expected due to my genetics. I added the word shit because that's what I think about that conversation. Genetics are a part of the picture. They are not the sole deciding factor. In comes epigenetics. Let me know if you want a dedicated episode to epigenetics and I will give you a shout out. Where was I? Oh, yes. Number five, nerves. Nerves. Accumulation of ages in nerves can contribute to diabetic neuropathy causing tingling, numbness, pain, or weakness in the extremities. Age-related nerve damage can impair sensory and motor functions. Nevertheless, the harm caused by glucose isn't confined to diabetic individuals. Despite not inducing swift or conspicuous cellular damage, glycation progresses gradually, and accompanies essential cellular metabolic processes. Recent insights reveal that glycation influences not just physiological aging, but also neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's, amyotropic lateral sclerosis, or ALS, and also multiple sclerosis. Are you connecting the dots? We need to know this information. When I was deep in that rabbit hole, I uncovered my immune system mistakenly, mistakenly labeling other body tissue, myelin, or myelin basic protein to be exact. What if I was still consuming sweet tarts on a regular basis? Both of my parents died in their 50s. How might my level of ages look if I still ate that garbage? Let's underscore the importance of having a solid why. I talk about with this my, with my clients every day. We need a solid why if we are truly looking for change. Number six, brain. Ages promote oxidative stress, inflammation, and the formation of amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles, contributing to cognitive decline and neuronal damage. Hands up if you want a healthy brain. I've got both my hands up. Number seven, pancreas. In diabetes, Ages may impair the function of beta cells in the pancreas, which produce insulin. This impairment can further exacerbate insulin resistance and worsen glucose control. Number eight, heart. Ages can contribute to cardiovascular diseases by promoting inflammation, oxidative stress, and atherosclerosis. Additionally, they can directly affect the heart muscle, leading to impaired cardiac function. Now let's talk more specifically about ages and aging. As people age, the accumulation of ages in tissues contributes to structural changes and functional decline. Cross-linking of proteins caused by age accumulation leads to stiffening and reduced elasticity of tissues, affecting skin, blood vessels, tendons, and other connective tissues. These alterations contribute to the physical signs of aging such as wrinkles, reduced flexibility and increased susceptibility to injury. Ages also contribute to aging by inducing oxidative stress and inflammation. The accumulation of ages leads to the production of ROS, promoting oxidative damage to cells and tissues. Additionally, ages activate inflammatory pathways, perpetuating a state of chronic low-grade inflammation, which is a hallmark of aging. Ages can impair mitochondrial function, reducing energy production, and compromising cellular repair mechanisms. This dysfunction contributes to cellular aging and the decline in overall physiological function. Let's turn our attention to ages and chronic diseases. Elevated blood sugar levels in diabetes, pre-diabetes accelerate the formation of ages contributing to diabetic complications. Ages plays a pivotal role in the development of diabetic vascular complications by causing endothelial dysfunction, increasing oxidative stress, and promoting inflammation. Ages contribute to the etiology and progression of cardiovascular diseases. They stiffen blood vessels increase vascular permeability, and promote inflammation leading to atherosclerosis and hypertension. Additionally, ages can directly damage the heart muscle, contributing to heart failure. Age accumulation has been linked to neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Ages contribute to neuronal damage, protein aggregation, such as beta-amyloid plaques, oxidative stress, and neuroinflammation, all of which are characteristic features of these disorders. Age accumulation in the kidneys contributes to kidney damage and dysfunction. Ages can impair renal function by causing inflammation, oxidative stress, and structural changes in kidney tissues, contributing to the progression of chronic kidney disease. The CDC estimates that roughly one in seven of the people living in the United States have some form of chronic kidney disease, and that one in three in the U.S. have severe kidney disease and don't even know it. Scary, isn't it? Kind of makes you want to do a little investigative work, doesn't it? The relationship between ages, aging, and chronic diseases highlights the multifaceted impact of these compounds on various physiological processes. Now let's Talk about lifestyle factors contributing to age formation. The influence of habits such as smoking, stress, and exercise on advanced glycation end product levels is significant and contributes to the overall balance of age formation and and accumulation in the body. I've got three lifestyle factors that need consideration Number one, smoking. Smoking exposes the body to numerous toxic compounds that promote oxidative stress and inflammation. These factors can elevate age formation by enhancing glycation reactions and free radical production, leading to higher levels of ages in the body. Smoking-induced age accumulation contributes to various health issues, including cardiovascular diseases, respiratory problems, and accelerated aging, it exacerbates the damaging effects of ages on tissues and organs. Number two, stress. Psychological stress triggers physiological responses that can lead to increased oxidative stress in the body. This heightened oxidative stress can promote age formation and accumulation by stimulating glycation reactions and generating ROS. Chronic stress can also induce low-grade inflammation, which contributes to the production of ages and accelerates the aging process. Prolonged stress may exacerbate the impact of ages on tissues and organs, potentially leading to various age-related diseases. Number three, sedentary lifestyle. Sedentary lifestyle characterized by prolonged periods of sitting or physical inactivity can contribute to the accumulation of ages in the body through various mechanisms. Physical inactivity lowers the body's metabolic rate. When muscles are not actively engaged through movement and exercise, glucose metabolism becomes less efficient, potentially leading to increased blood sugar levels. Elevated blood sugar levels contribute to higher age formation due to increased glycation reactions. Sedentary behavior is associated with decreased insulin sensitivity where the body's cells become less responsive to insulin's glucose regulating effects. Insulin resistance can lead to higher blood sugar levels, promoting glycation processes and age formation. A sedentary lifestyle is linked to increased oxidative stress, prolonged sitting and lack of physical activity contribute to an imbalance between the production of ROS and the body's antioxidant defenses. Oxidative stress enhances the formation of ages and accelerates their accumulation in tissues. Physical inactivity is also associated with chronic low-grade inflammation. Inflammatory processes promote the generation of ages and contribute to their accumulation in various tissues. Sedentary behavior affects vascular health by impairing blood flow and endothelial function. Reduced blood circulation and impaired endothelial function can exacerbate age-induced damage in blood vessels and tissues. Sedentary behavior often correlates with weight gain, increased body fat, and alterations in lipid metabolism. These metabolic changes may further contribute to increased age formation and accumulation. Let's get into diagnostic methods and monitoring age levels. Biomarkers and testing techniques play a crucial role in assessing a variety of things in the body. However, when it comes to ages, it's complicated. It is possible to measure circulating levels of ages, Conventional techniques for assessing ages in the bloodstream involve high-performance lipid chromatography, HPLC, and enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay ELISA. However, these methods pose challenges, such as complex sample preparation for HPLC and the need for stable antibodies in ELISA. This is not commonplace. It is seen more in research. I was reading an article where they used a specific fluorescence assay looking at urine. It was argued that among individuals with normal kidney function, ages are excreted in urine, making urinary age levels a potential reflection of circulating age levels. It was very interesting, but not commonplace at this point either. Biopsy samples from organs or tissues can be analyzed to directly measure age accumulation. I'm not sure who would do such an invasive test to see a measurement of ages. I wouldn't. There is much research in this topic, and I'm excited to see that, but if we are wanting to gauge our potential level of ages, Tara, isn't there a simpler method? So glad you asked. Hemoglobin A1c. Let me repeat that for the people in the back. Hemoglobin A1c. Hemoglobin A1c holds a critical role in evaluating advanced glycation and products within the body, offering a window into long-term glucose control. Through the process of glycation, glucose molecules attach to hemoglobin in red blood cells, forming hemoglobin A1c gradually over the lifespan of these cells, Typically around two to three months. This reflects the average blood sugar levels during that time frame. As glucose binds to hemoglobin, it initiates the accumulation of ages within red blood cells, with higher blood sugar levels leading to increased glycation and subsequent age formation. The measurement of hemoglobin A1c levels serves as a reliable marker. For assessing diabetes management and the risk of diabetes-related complications. Elevated hemoglobin A1c levels indicate prolonged exposure to high blood sugar, elevating the risk of damage to blood vessels, nerves, kidneys, eyes, and the heart, among other complications associated with diabetes. This relationship is closely associated with the accumulation of ages, indicating that higher HbA1c values reflect increased glycation and subsequent age formation, contributing to tissue damage and complications linked to diabetes. Elevated levels of HbA1c not only indicate chronic hyperglycemia, but also correlate strongly with associated risks. Additionally, It serves as an independent risk factor for various conditions such as coronary heart disease, stroke, obesity-related metabolic disorders, and carotid atherosclerosis, even in non-diabetic individuals. Furthermore, HbA1c levels not only aid in diagnosing diabetes, but also in monitoring the progression of age-related damage in various organs and tissues. Elevated HbA1c values provide insights into the potential risk of developing diabetes related complications due to increased age formation. Knowing what we know about ages, it makes sense that early detection and intervention is very important. I have another list, friends. I've got seven reasons why early detection and intervention regarding advanced glycation end products and their related complications is crucial Number one, prevention of chronic diseases. Early detection of elevated age levels can serve as a warning sign for potential health issues. Managing age accumulation in the early stages might help prevent or delay the onset of chronic diseases associated with ages, such as diabetes complications, cardiovascular diseases, neurodegenerative disorders, and kidney diseases. What is your hemoglobin A1c? I run this test quite often in my practice and frequently see pre diabetes or even an upward trend of A1C. If your level is 5.6, does that mean all is good? What if it's 5.4? I begin to question what is brewing under the surface with a level greater than 5.2. Number two, effective disease. Management. Identifying increased age levels in individuals with existing chronic conditions such as diabetes allows for timely intervention strategies. Early intervention can help manage and mitigate the progression of complications associated with age accumulation, potentially improving disease outcomes. Going back to having a solid why, making necessary lifestyle changes even if that means reducing the amount of char broiled meat you consume. I do not believe in perfection. And to be fully transparent, I cooked a ham yesterday. I used my Traeger, which is a smoker. The end result? Absolutely delicious. I do not eat smoked meats on a regular basis. Preparing meat Through cooking is a frequent practice before consumption as it eliminates microorganisms, enhances overall quality, and facilitates better digestibility. However, elevated cooking temperatures result in protein denaturation, disruption of cell membranes, contraction of muscle fibers, and breakdown of connective tissues, ultimately diminishing the nutritional content and palatability. Moreover, Higher cooking temperatures trigger the generation of various detrimental compounds, including heterocyclic amines, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, or PAHs, and advanced glycation end products. Today we are focusing on ages. Just know that other things going on also matter. PAHs is another vitally important topic, Let me know if you want a dedicated episode and I will give you a shout out. I made this beautiful ham and boy, was it tasty. This is usually a once or twice a year situation. What if I was consuming foods cooked this way on a regular basis? Number three, customized treatment approaches. Early detection of age-related damage allows healthcare professionals to tailor interventions and treatments based on the individual's age burden. Personalized therapies. Targeting ages, oxidative stress, or inflammation can be initiated, potentially slowing down disease progression. Friends, you know I am a fan of genetics. I truly feel that if more individuals understood their susceptibility, it would be a game changer. I have a variant of the PPARG gene, peroxisome proliferator-activated receptor gamma. I have the CC genotype. PPARG plays a pivotal role in governing a range of cellular functions, including but not limited to insulin sensitivity, adipogenesis, lipolysis, energy storage, glucose metabolism, and the binding of polyunsaturated fatty acids. The CC genotype may be associated with Insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. I have several high to very high gene variants regarding inflammation, including a gene variant of IL 6, interleukin 6. IL 6, a crucial player in inflammation, significantly regulates the liver's synthesis of acute phase reactants. Acute phase reactants are proteins. Made by the liver, when the body faces inflammation or infection, they help the body fight off infections, repair tissues, and their levels in the blood can indicate the presence or severity of infection or inflammation. Fat tissue is a major source of IL-6, making up to about 30% of the total IL-6 in healthy people. Changes in the IL-6 gene can affect How much IL-6 is made in the body when IL-6 levels are high, like in obesity, it might lead to more fat around the organs, increased risk of problems like high blood sugar, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, and certain cancers. Scientists mostly study IL-6 for causing inflammation, but recent research suggests that in certain situations related to its receptor, it can also calm down inflammation. IL-6 helps in reducing inflammation by encouraging the body to produce anti-inflammatory substances and by controlling targets that cause inflammation. This shows that IL-6 can have both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory effects. I am such a nerd. I have the CC genotype. The C allele is the impact allele in pro-inflammatory fat, inflammation, vascular health pathways. The C allele has also been linked to increased C-reactive protein and IL-6 in muscle cells in response to exercise. It is a normal response to have raised inflammation when we exercise. This is a transient factor. My genotype shows more pronounced fatigue due to greater amounts of inflammation expressed and longer recovery needs. I definitely did not listen to my body back in the day. I kept pushing myself harder and harder. The other day when I was in the woods in the morning, my happy place. I set out to run six miles. By mile two, I was feeling the fatigue. My body was telling me, Tara, not today. I turned around and headed back. The last half a mile, I walked... If I didn't understand how everything is connected, if I was only focused on it's Friday, my day to run, I likely would have pushed myself with an inward dialogue saying something along the lines of toughen up, buttercup. I no longer disregard myself. Knowing my unique issues, I prefer to not load up on foods that will likely raise inflammation and oxidative stress within my body. I don't feel good if I consume highly processed foods, high sugar foods, but I did eat a couple of pieces of ham. I also consumed a giant salad filled with lots of color, phytonutrients to send awesome messages to my cells. Today, I'm giving myself a big hug. I talk about this with my clients a lot. How are you going to give yourself a hug after a poor night of sleep or partaking in less nutritious foods, or up-regulated stress. What are you going to do to love yourself? I will be taking moments throughout the day to simply breathe. I will not be pushing myself today with extreme exercise. I feel more tired than usual. When we take moments to check in with ourselves, we can make wiser decisions for ourselves. Number four, monitoring treatment efficacy. Monitoring age levels over time helps elevate the effectiveness of interventions and treatment strategies aimed at reducing age accumulation. It allows healthcare practitioners to adjust therapies as needed and assess the impact of lifestyle modifications. I usually check A1C every three months. Let's see how we can move the needle towards better health. Number five, preventive lifestyle changes. Early awareness of elevated age levels can motivate individuals to adopt preventative lifestyle changes. This might include dietary modifications, stress reduction techniques, regular exercise, smoking cessation, and other measures to minimize age intake and reduce oxidative stress. Number six, reduced healthcare costs. Early detection and intervention may potentially reduce Healthcare costs associated with managing complications arising from age related diseases. Preventing or delaying the onset of chronic conditions can lead to better health outcomes and lower healthcare expenses in the long term. Number seven, improved quality of life. Timely intervention to mitigate age related damage can positively impact an individual's quality of life. By addressing age accumulation and associated complications early on, individuals may experience improved overall health and well-being. Who doesn't want to improve their health and well-being and quality of life? I know I do. Early detection of elevated age levels and timely intervention strategies are crucial in preventing or minimizing the impact of age-related complications. These approaches not only have the potential to improve health outcomes, but also empower individuals to take proactive steps towards better health management and disease prevention. Friends, I've noticed I'm about halfway through the content, and we are just shy of 50 minutes. I'm thinking this is going to be a two-part series. Next week, we're going to get into identifying high-age foods, and cooking methods that cause an uptick of ages. Then we're going to get into tips and tricks to reduce our exposure to ages. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Drop me a comment. Let me know what you think. If you learned something today, share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker. If you are not already subscribed to the show, why not? Hit that follow button along with the notification bell so you never miss An episode. I've got a great year ahead of episodes coming your way. If you have an idea for a show, follow the links in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. If you are not receiving my newsletter, click the link in the show notes so you can be added to the newsletter list. Every Friday, I send out tips, tricks, information that truly matters. Follow the link so you don't miss out. So many of you have reached out wanting to work with me. Some have even signed up for a free consult through my website. And while I have thoroughly enjoyed reading your emails and meeting you through my telehealth platform, if you do not currently live in Indiana, I am not at the liberty to be your healthcare practitioner at this time. I am in the process of creating educational material that can transcend state and international lines in the form of of masterclasses. I'm looking to bring into the fold a certified nutrition counselor and a certified yoga instructor. There will be special beta pricing as the curriculum develops. There is a waitlist and I recommend if you are interested, click the link in the show notes. I am very passionate about health and wellness getting optimized. I have been on my own wellness journey for quite some time and want to bring as many people with me on this journey towards better health. I hope you enjoyed spending time with me today and I will see you very soon. Bye friends.